Section 33 of The Cambridge Modern History, Volume 2, The Reformation. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Chapter 10, The Helvetic Reformation, by the Reverend J. P. Whitney, Part 1. The Helvetic Reformation, like the German, was the outcome of both the national history and the Renaissance. The history of Switzerland had been a record of free communities in town or country, more than holding their own under changing local dynasties and weakening imperial power. Gradually a sense of national unity emerges, but earlier local connections are long retained. The Teutonic communities of Uri, Schwyz, and Unterwalden separately gain their independence in ways common enough elsewhere, and then become the centre of the later confederation. The lands around them are divided into two strongly marked parts, a Burgundian west, looking towards France, Burgundy and Savoy, converted by Gallic or Roman missionaries, divided among many dynasties, and a Swabian or Alemannic east, richer in civilization and democratic cities, converted by Irish missionaries, looking by the run of its valleys and the lie of its plains towards Germany. This division lasts through the Frankish Empire and through the Middle Ages, and is the most essential feature in Swiss history. The growth of the early Habsburg power, following the extinction of the House of Zeringen, 1218, at first threatened the freedom of the Swiss, the connection of the Habsburg house with the empire gave it an imperial claim to jurisdiction, in addition to the varied local claims it already possessed, though at the same time it absorbed its energy in other and more important fields. The tendencies to union shown by the German leagues operated also among the Swiss communities, and in the end gave rise to the perpetual league of the three forest cantons, Schwyz, Uri, and Unterwalden august twelve ninety one with simple provisions for maintaining their primitive liberty and regulating their mutual relations the league concluded at brunnen on december thirteenth thirteen fifteen after the great battle of morgarten added nothing essential although it bound the members more closely together against a usurping lord the accidents of Habsburg history and the varied grouping of the neighbouring powers kept this early league alive and even caused it to grow. Victories against the Habsburgs and afterwards against Burgundy confirmed its strength and increased its reputation. Soon cities with dependent villages under them, Luzern, Zurich and Bern, joined the Confederates and introduced divergent interests and policies. Around central Switzerland, with its thirteen cantons, those already mentioned, with Glarus, Zug, Freiburg, Zolothurn, Basel, Schaffhausen, and Appenzell, there arose other leagues, the League of God's House, among the subjects of the See of Chur, the Graubünden, or Grisen, and the League of the Ten Jurisdictions, differing in constitution and with histories of their own. In varying relations to the confederation stood also dependent states, the Valais, the town and abbey of St. Gallen, and others. The federal government not only gathered fresh members, but made conquests of its own. The Argau, 1415, partly ruled between Bern and Zurich, partly in the free bailiwicks, ruled jointly by the six cantons, Zurich, Luzern, Schwyz, Unterwalden, Zuck, and Glarus. The Thurgau, 
similarly ruled, but with special relations to Zurich. The government of these common lands was a difficult matter, as there was no federal organization beyond the Diet, to which the cantons sent delegates. The free bailiwicks were administered by a bailiff, Landvogt, appointed for two years by each of the six cantons in turn. This defective system demanded perfect unity among the confederates before it could work, and the chance of discord was greater because these subject lands lay between Zurich and Bern, and closed the path northwards from the forest cantons. To the south, moreover, conquests had been made towards Italy, and thus the confederates were brought into touch with Italian, as well as with German and more western politics. Among the confederates, Zurich, which joined them May 1351, held a peculiar place. Favoured by Austria, and as an imperial city, Zurich had followed a distinct policy of its own, which had at times led to war, for instance, 1442-50. to What Bern, with its distinct aims and more aristocratic constitution, was to the west, Zurich, with its important guilds and widespread trade, was to the east. The Confederacy was again divided by the diversity of interests between rural and urban cantons. Moreover, city factions, as at Luzern, Zurich, and Bern, had looked to the Confederacy for help, and conversely civic disturbances could shake the Confederate League. The conquests from Austria and the entanglement in the wars of France and Burgundy and in those of Italy involved the Confederacy in external relations out of all proportion to its constitutional growth. The problem of federal organization was handed down unsolved by the Middle Ages, together with conditions that made it difficult of solution. Huldrich Zwingli was born on New Year's Day 1484 at Wildhaus in the valley of Toggenburg. This district, after the extinction of its dynasty, 1436, had been an object of strife between Zurich and Schwitz, but in the end it had passed by purchase to the Abbey of St. Gallen the inhabitants of wildhaus had gained the rights of electing their village bailiff and choosing their own village priest zwingli's father held the former and his uncle bartholomew the latter office when this uncle fourteen eighty seven became rural dean and rector of wesen on the lake of wallenstadt the young boy already destined for clerical life went with him his family was thus respected and versed in civil and ecclesiastical matters. On the mother's side, too, one uncle was abbot of Fischingen, and another relative abbot of Old St. John's near Wesen. In 1494, Zwingli was sent to Basel to be under Gregory Bunsley, and in 1498 to Bern, where his teacher was Heinrich Wolfen, Lupus, then the most famous humanist in Switzerland. He was moved from Bern, lest the Dominicans should secure him as a novice, and he is next found at Vienna, where his classical bent was strengthened. In 1502 he returned to Basel, where, in 1504, he graduated as bachelor. The university was not then at its best, but the city was still a centre of Swiss life and of the trade in books. He became a teacher at St. Martin's School, and thus his mind was early trained in the habit of instruction. In 1506 he was called to the charge of Glarus, an important town with three outlying hamlets, and was ordained priest at Constance. The impulses forming his character had been simple, the democratic spirit of a self-governing village with traditions of its struggles. In 1490 he must have seen the abbot of St. Gallen appear with a small army to reduce his subjects to obedience. The training of the parish priest, with a sense of responsibility, discharged, as he even then significantly held, mainly by preaching, 
the life of the village with its many activities of a smaller kind. But stronger than all these was his humanistic training, which at Glarus he had time to follow out. Traces of the current classical taste are seen in him to the end. One of these was his belief in the divine inspiration of Cato and other ancients with their high ideal of patriotism. Hence, too, came his deep interest in the salvation of the great ancients who lived before Christ. But he was a humanist who never sought a patron. Before he came to Glarus, he had been under the influence of Thomas Wittenbach, 1505-6, to a lecturer at Basel, from whom he had learnt the evils of indulgences and the authority of the Bible. These crude ideas of reform were not, however, confined to Wittenbach, and it was only in order to minimize his debt to Luther that Zwingli mentions this earlier indebtedness. But he had made closer acquaintance with church abuses, for Heinrich Göldi, a Swiss of the papal guard and a trafficker in benefices, had bought the reversion of Glarus, and Zwingli had to pay him a pension of 100 gulden before entering upon his charge. In classics, Erasmus was his guide. Good letters and sound theology were to go together. The spirit of the German Renaissance was to inspire theology, but of deep personal religion, Zwingli at this stage was ignorant. That he never went to rest at night without having read a little in his master's works, as he said in a letter to the master himself, may not have been strictly true, but the dominant influence of Erasmus upon Zwingli, never overcome, although combined with other influences, admits of no doubt. He may also have learned from Erasmus something in the way of negation, such as contempt for relics, something too he may have learnt from Pico della Mirandola, for whose sake he was once called a heretic at Basel, but from anti-papal tendencies he was quite free. From this young humanist, paradoxically combining a deep sense of responsibility with notable laxity in his moral life, no programme of reform was as yet to be looked for. His was a mind that moved gradually towards its fuller plans, and needed a fitting field wherein to work. In 1513 he had again taken up the study of Greek, in which a little later Bombazius became his teacher, and he went to the New Testament itself rather than to any commentaries. The fathers, however, attracted him, and it was at Glarus that he read Jerome, to whom Erasmus could not fail to send him, Augustine, Origen, Cyril, and Chrysostom. Of all these, Augustine was his favourite, a fact to be noted in discussing his theology, but he considered the Greek fathers to be more excellent in their Christology than were the Latin. Hebrew, possibly begun before, was studied later at Zurich in 1519 or 1520, but needed a renewed effort in 1522. He ever insisted upon the need of a learned clergy and studied holy writ as he had learnt to study the classical writers, a method which lent freshness to his teaching but laid him open to a charge of irreverence. Through his devotion to Erasmus and his friendship with Heinrich Lorotti of Glarus, Clarinus, Zwingli gained an entry into the world of letters which inherited the cosmopolitanism of the medieval universities and which was now beginning to group itself around presses such as Frobens at Basel and Froschauer's at Zurich, 1519. This was of importance not only for his growing reputation but also as bringing him into touch with wider interests. In his later years of diplomacy, the habit of correspondence and the varied associations thus formed proved of use. Equally important, too, was the skill with which he drew around him younger men, some to find their goal in humanism, some in religious reform, 
in their afterlife and in their studies mainly at vienna he followed them from afar and regularly wrote to them thus before he founded a school he had the scholars ready and his name was a power among the younger men during these years at glarus he became entangled in that system of wars and pensions which was the glory and the shame of his fatherland the italian wars brought not only much wealth to switzerland but also an increase of territory to keep the swiss as allies louis the twelfth had fifteen o three surrendered bellizona to them when massimiliano sforza was made duke of milan fifteen twelve they received from him the valmagia locano and lugano while the rician league the grisson gained the valentine the swiss diets were besieged by agents of the powers a french party was to be found in every town and a papalist anti-french party was created by matteo schinner cardinal of sion in the service of julius the second zwingli's interest in politics was great politics and patriotism inspired his earliest german poems the labyrinth and the fable of the ox and the beasts his position in glarus made him a valuable ally for the papal party in a parish where the french were strong it was therefore natural although afterwards made a charge against him that he should accept from the pope a pension of fifty florins fifteen twelve or fifteen thirteen and he was also august twenty nine fifteen eighteen appointed acolyte chaplain so far was he from being anti-papal that the papacy was the one power with which he held it right even dutiful to form alliances twice he seems to have gone to italy as chaplain with the glarus contingent according to bullinger he was present at novara june sixth fifteen thirteen and at marignano september thirteen and fourteen fifteen fifteen on the latter occasion his persuasion kept the glarus men faithful to their service when others deserted to the french afterwards he indicates this as the period when he formed his well-known views upon the evils of mercenary service the life of a mercenary in camp or city destroyed the simplicity endeared to zwingli by the earlier confederate history and classic models in fifteen fifteen the papal alliance came to an end the terrible experience of marignano on the one hand and the acquisition of territory on the other had made the confederates desirous of peace and november twenty nine fifteen sixteen a permanent peace was made with france zwingli's opposition to this change of policy made his position at glarus untenable and he became people's priest or vicar at einsiedeln april fourteen fifteen sixteen placing a vicar at glarus einsiedeln owing to its renown as a place of pilgrimage combined the quiet of a monastic house with the traffic of a place of passage here he carried further his classical studies and increased his reputation as a preacher he carefully trained himself in oratory by a study of the best classic models the personalities of the three great leaders erasmus luther to whom zwingli considered he was prior in his teaching and zwingli were very different luther with his monastic training cared little for catholic organization but he had a fervid personal experience and a strong love for doctrine erasmus combined piety and theological learning with much freedom of speech tempered by regard for authority and a historic sense zwingli had from the first no regard for authority which indeed presented itself at times in a guise hard to respect he belonged to a country peculiarly weak in its ecclesiastical organization and abounding in clerical abuses but he had a deep regard for learning and a love of freedom personal and intellectual 
he had no vivid perceptions of dogma recording the struggles of the soul but he learnt from his varied parochial experience to realise keenly the relations between a pastor and his people he had no deep philosophic basis for his opinions and he was no framer of theories he needed the touch of actual life to bring his powers to work and he needed a field that suited him before he could form a definite policy so far he was a keen swiss patriot with that love of the past that had formed the legend of tell a humanist and a reformer of the type of erasmus if indeed he was a reformer at all if he was correct in his own view of his mental history he took up an anti-papal stand from the first and not as luther did pressed by the course of argument the papacy must fall he said to capito in fifteen seventeen but the humanists had inherited something of scholastic freedom in discussion and to call the papal authority in question was no new thing in fifteen seventeen there was little significance in this expression of opinion from one who held a papal pension and had done his best to secure help for the papacy in what many of its friends condemned its italian wars and temporal policy after refusing one post at Winterthur, he received the offer of another that of people's priest at the great minster of zurich his reputation as a preacher was in his favour the new provost of the chapter felix frey had humanistic sympathies and the political views which had made him enemies at glarus were not against him here for similar views had friends at zurich foreign pensions had been forbidden by the pensionbrief of fifteen o three and met with warm opposition in the chapter the french alliance also was of less importance here his appointment was preceded by much negotiation there were rivals and a story was brought up to his discredit that he could neither in the main deny nor yet adequately defend indeed the tone of his defence showed a lack of moral sense finally the influence of his friends especially of myconius oswald gieshusler schoolmaster at the minster school gained him the election december eleventh fifteen eighteen seventeen out of a chapter of twenty-four voting for him the office of people's priest or vicar at the minster thus gained he kept until fifteen twenty two later he received a prebend after he had resigned his papal pension zwingli had thus come to the proper field of his religious and political work his development had so far been independent not influenced even by luther and yet the movement begun by zwingli owes much of its importance to that initiated by the german reformer their likeness was the product of the time their differences were not only doctrinal luther was no humanist nor did his work lie in a swiss city or in the swiss confederation the special type of protestantism presented to the world by zwingli was due to his field of work being a city commonwealth with a peculiar history political and ecclesiastical but the ideas which he started were the results of his humanism and of his previous work first among his ideas comes that of his prophetical office he had gained his experience of life as a parish priest his heart had gone into learning and education these factors combined to form his vision of a prophet pastor from the old testament he took the notion of a prophet teaching morality and not shrinking from politics where they had to be touched but he added to this the ideal of instruction he thus brought to his new work the loftiest conceptions of spiritual authority and responsibility but his view left no room for other authority or for ecclesiastical superiors the prophet was to do his work in the community not the community of the congregation regarded as part of a wider church but the political community in which he lived preaching 
for which his life and training fitted him was to be the means of teaching it was well adapted for influencing a democracy and was characteristic of his system where the pulpit superseded the altar and where the intellectual element was large the relation of the prophet to his community was tinged by the influence of the old testament and affected by the conditions of swiss life it was the prophet's work to teach to inspire the magistracy but it was theirs to carry out the policy thus he and they had to work together this left large ecclesiastical powers to the community and such the city had already claimed for herself it gave wide scope to the personal influence of the pastor both over the political assemblies and over the burgesses themselves the acquisition of that influence and the full use of it was therefore essential to zwingli's success zurich had grown up around the great minster and the minster of our lady foundations of charles the great and ludwig the german respectively the site was well adapted for trade and between the competing jurisdictions of the abbess the provost of the great minster and the bailiff of the emperor a peculiarly free development was possible there had been many contests between the city and its clergy arnold of brescia whose visit left traces had sojourned there eleven forty to eleven forty five the liability of the clergy to pay taxes had been discussed and enforced as a rule the monasteries were not only assessed for taxation but subject to visitation by the state and one of the few federal documents that went into detail laid down the subjection of ecclesiastics to all ordinary jurisdiction the pfaffenbrief of thirteen seventy swiss history apart from legend had been so far singularly poor in individual types the most striking exception was that of hans waldmann who had left a conspicuous mark on the constitution of zurich in fourteen eighty three he became burgomaster and for some years stood out as the leading statesman in switzerland foreign powers gave him gifts and negotiated with him as with a prince though he was opposed by the aristocrats he succeeded in carrying out a constitutional reform excellent for the city but stringent and oppressive for the surrounding villages up to this time the konstafe the original citizens knights merchants and men of independent means had been the leading element in the constitution rudolf brun thirteen thirty six had placed the guilds of handworkers thirteen in number afterwards twelve alongside the konstafe their masters became members of the smaller council along with other councillors elected variously at the head of the constitution stood the burgomaster and for special purposes the great council of two hundred exactly two hundred and twelve was called together waldmann whose sympathies were with the guilds gave them more power in the constitution and reduced the direct representation of the konstafe in the smaller council from twelve to six these civic regulations were confirmed even by his enemies after his execution but discontent was caused by his strict enactments about trade and agriculture which weakened the country for the good of the city the ill-will thus caused led to the riots preceding his death and left their mark behind in the end the villagers gained through the mediation of other states an organization gemeinde of their own through which they could act and consult with zurich Weidmann claimed for the city the right to legislate for the church and to regulate the life and demeanour of ecclesiastics and thus gave an impulse to the ecclesiastical independence of zurich already considerable a document dating from fifteen ten often wrongly termed a concordat summed up the ecclesiastical powers claimed by zurich and permitted to her by the pope anxious for such a useful ally 
the diocesan divisions of switzerland corresponded to no national limits and were included in different provinces constance and cour under mainz basel and lausanne under besanzon and sion under tarentes until freed by leo x from its dependence the bishop of constance in whose diocese zurich lay was not well placed to assert his authority in this powerful city and had seen many of his rights as to jurisdiction and appointments superseded when zwingli went to zurich he therefore found a city democratic in its institutions more so for instance than bern where a capable orator and a man of affairs would be able to come to the front speedily its history had made its relations with the papacy and the bishop mere matters of policy the church had as against the state little independence of its own and there was no traditional dislike of change for such a community he was well fitted the political questions to which he had given most thought were those upon which opinion at zurich was already divided his power of speech carefully trained and developed could easily gain him power in a city with some seven thousand burghers and by his expositions on market days he was able also to gain influence over the country people zwingli found also in the press a helpful ally the printer froschauer was one of his closest adherents his writings which bear the mark of extempore utterance rather than of careful preparation were often intended for the press and spread through its channels of trade letters could be sent and received through the same means for the printer's house was a centre of news and communication froschauer for instance had a branch of establishment at frankfurt and could circulate zwingli's writings easily and carry his letters for him the effect of zwingli's works hastily written for the most part rarely classic in form or of permanent value for thought was often immediate and great he was a religious pamphleteer of learning vigour and experience in his private life there are few dates of importance he was attacked by the plague september fifteen nineteen to meet which he had courageously returned from a holiday but there are no reasons for regarding this illness as a religious crisis in his life his marriage with anna reinhard widow of hans meyer of konau son of a distinguished family took place april two fifteen twenty four after a dubious connection of some two years and was hailed by some of his friends as a tardy though welcome act of courage by the end of fifteen twenty five his reformation at zurich was in effect completed and from that time onwards his activity was either political or directed against anabaptist enemies in february fifteen nineteen the franciscan bernardine samson who had previously encountered zwingli at einsiedeln reached zurich to preach his indulgence zwingli opposed him at once and with success the bishop of constance forbade the clergy of the diocese to admit samson into their churches the council of zurich forbade his entry into the city but zwingli and luther met with very different treatment samson was ordered by the pope himself not to vex the authorities of zurich and rather than do so to depart no breach between the papacy and zwingli resulted a monk who wished to print abuse of him was checked by both legate and bishop the first sign of anti-papal feeling upon his part comes after the imperial election january to june fifteen nineteen the papal policy in that matter was too shifty to command itself to zwingli's honest and outspoken nature and moreover he wished the swiss to stand aloof but the lutheran drama had by this time come to a crisis and following the advice of friends beatus renanus among them zwingli had interested himself in luther's fate after the leipzig disputation he hailed him as david and hercules and exerted himself to delay the publication of the papal bull against him 
At this time, too, he read Huss's work on the church, which is practically a new edition of Wycliffe's De Ecclesia, and contains many of the doctrines, such as those touching the papal power and the civil right to control the church, afterwards taught by Zwingli. The question how far Zwingli was indebted to Luther has been much discussed. Like Luther, he had been called a heretic after his opposition to Samson. To him, as to others, the name Lutheran was carelessly given. His private biblical annotations show new doctrinal tendencies after 1522, when he had undoubtedly read Luther's works, but the assumption that he owed his views to Luther always roused his indignation, and a common Pauline element fully explains the likeness of their opinions, slight as it is. Zwingli tried to clear himself from the charge of imitation and claimed for himself originality. In doing so, he was justified, though his treatment of the charge shows some petulance and self-satisfaction. But it is too much to say that the bold stand made by Luther and the whole set of problems he raised had no effect upon Zwingli's mind, and did nothing to direct his energy into new channels. Their original impulses, however, were very different, and their several treatment of indulgences illustrates the difference. To Luther the question presented itself as a mistaken doctrine which struck at the root of religion. To Zwingli it was more a practical abuse, an encroachment of the church upon the individual life. The divergence of Zwingli from Erasmus and its occasion are also instructive. Hutten, in his energy and contempt for tradition, his license and disregard of morality, had little in common with Erasmus on the one hand, or with Luther on the other although his love of learning and width of outlook joined him to both. Before his death, however, in August 1523, a quarrel with Erasmus brought out the fundamental opposition between them. Zwingli, linked to Erasmus by early indebtedness and a scholar's reverence, had yet more in common with Hutten, and when the dying outcast, disowned by the calmer souls, reached Zurich, Zwingli befriended him. He did this not from mere human sympathy, but also from the feeling of a common cause against the old society and the old traditions. But his action caused a breach between him and Erasmus, and with Glarinus also, the shadow of Erasmus. This marks a certain separation of Zwingli from the aims of the humanist circles in which he had hitherto lived, for Basel and Einsiedeln, unlike Luzern, were both centres of learning. In his sermons, Zwingli, who was both outspoken and effective, attacked monasticism and the doctrines of purgatory and the invocation of saints. But the first conflict took place when he attacked the principle of tithes. In a Latin sermon, preached before the chapter, he maintained that tithes had no foundation in the divine law and should be voluntary. The provost urged him in vain to recant and not to furnish arms for the laity to use against the clergy, early in 1520. The same year, a simplification of the breviary for the minster was prepared and introduced, June 27, 1520, a charge arising out of Zwingli's earlier liturgical studies and showing that the majority of the chapter was on his side. Religious parties were already forming themselves around him. He met with opposition, both from the conservatives in the chapter, including Konrad Hoffmann, who had supported his election, and from the monks. The excitement raised was shown by a decree of 1520 ordering priests in town and country to preach conformably to the Gospels and Epistles and according to the guidance of the Holy Spirit and the Bible, but to keep silence upon human innovations. This decree, proceeding not from the bishop but from the civil rulers and taking the Bible as a standard, exhibited two characteristics of the Zwinglian position. The political events of these years were decisive for Zwingli and for Zurich. 
the french at a diet held at luzerne may five fifteen twenty one strove to get support from the confederates pensions had already done much harm to social and political life the mercenary soldiers whether abroad selling their lives for gold or at home spending it in riot were an injury to the state the ostentatious display of wealth made by the french envoys both in the imperial election and now in their search for an alliance emphasized the dangers of mercenary service zwingli together with the burgomeister marcus Reust, opposed the french alliance the diet however made a treaty with francis i by which he might enlist troops up to sixteen thousand under leaders of his own choice the bernese statesman albrecht von stein came to zurich to secure its approval for the city with its villages could raise an army of ten thousand but stimulated by sermons of passionate patriotism from zwingli reminding them again and again of their hard-bought freedom and traditional simplicity the zurich council rejected the french alliance the council of the two hundred answered to the diet that they would keep to their old leagues and would have nothing to do with princes pensions and foreign alliances and the pension decree which forbade the receipt of any alien gifts was to be sworn to by all the citizens twice a year but the loss of wealth the separation from the other cantons and the comparative stagnation of neutral life soon caused discontent in the corinth of switzerland and zwingli had to bear many reproaches about this time he resigned his papal pension from conscientious scruples but soon after received a canonry in the minster from a prebend of seventy gulden this benefice gave him the franchise and from this time his political importance grew he was now the centre of a growing group berthold halle at bern vardian von watt the gifted burgomaster of st gallen and others the humanistic brotherhood was passing into a reforming society and was soon to be used as a diplomatic power zwingli's defection from the papacy was now only a matter of time an incident often assigned as its cause was even more important for zurich than for him the pope asked for a force to be used only for the defence of his states not against the french or other swiss zurich which sent him half his bodyguard was the place where he sought it zwingli who had once before supported a papal application now opposed it but a force of six thousand set out september sixteenth fifteen twenty one and was in the end sent to milan the council indignantly recalled it but some of the soldiers followed cardinal schinner and narrowly escaped a conflict with the swiss mercenaries of france to make things worse their pay was withheld even after their return the council supported by popular feeling now forbade all foreign service january eleventh fifteen twenty two end of section thirty three